Welcome to the Two Mutts Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Marshall. We're now joined by Jeff Glass. Save coming on by Glass on the leading score from a year ago. Clear now a centering pass. Bounces the front of shot. Glass and Jones and rebound loose. Go, go yet. And did Glass get any big? Armia centered in. Open now. Oh, what a save by Glass. They looked like they had a 6 by 4 as Little pulled it to his backhand and somehow it didn't get finished. Glass, a spectacular stop. Glasser, how's it going? Been good, been good. Thanks for having me back on. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, the last time we had you on. I think you signed in Austria not too far after that. So uh, I think it was like December, almost a year here coming up. So no, it was good. I uh, I remember it was the, we talked right before Austria, and then I think we talked uh, right before I signed the PTO in Calgary. So yeah. it was always uh, it was always groundbreaking news, and something something was moving and shaking when I talked to you guys. Yeah, some good luck. Too much podcast bump here, I guess we can call it, but hopefully something good comes up here. I guess we'll start with that. Like, what have you been doing? You know, obviously the pandemic's been tough for everyone, but uh, how are things going with you and the family? Yeah, everything's great. Um, you know, it's been, uh, you nailed it. it. Nobody's got a story that's uh, any different than the one I have. Things have been been different, right? So I was, uh, I was off in Austria last year playing hockey. Uh, up until the pandemic, we were actually in the first round uh, we were up three nothing against the defending champs and had them on the ropes and uh, they were in our barn to play game four and they shut the season down and uh, so I came back to Calgary assuming that hockey would fire right back up again and we'd be back to normal but um, as the summer's gone on here it's been just more and more evident that it's just it's just not normal or it's not what we used to, or what we're used to seeing especially as maybe older hockey players that are used to finishing their careers in Europe or at least having that option. Things have been uh, significantly different this off season. And um, so we're all like, like everybody else in the world, we're settling into a, a new normal, which means um, rede- redefining yourself, recreating yourself and, and really uh, a kind of a gut check time to see what you really want to be doing. And, uh, and that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. It's been shitty, but hopefully we, we get some good news here. Just the way things are going might be a bit longer than expected, but how's the training going right now? And how often are you on the ice? Yeah. Training's going good. I, I, you know what, that's one thing uh, I can honestly say I'm super lucky for living here in Calgary. We got a great group that skates. Uh, Dave Lowry runs the ice time and there's a bunch of uh, either NHL, AHL, European pro players. We make up a, a pretty solid ice time. Uh, we always laugh if there was a cap hit, we'd probably be up to the cap or at least close to it with, with some of the guys in the room. So it, it's a good skate, but um, I, I'm, I'm with those guys probably about four or five times a week. I'm um, doing my off ice stuff as well. And uh, just staying sharp. Like uh, I, I've told a few people that have asked, uh, I'm not expecting the phone to ring any day like I was maybe this time last year. But if, if and when it does ring, I'll be ready to go. Like, are you open to all options on that front, uh, Gloucester? You know what? That's changed. Um, I, I, I'm going to be honest and say no. Uh, just just with the family where we're at now. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm not going to say no to everything right off the bat, but I'm, I'm definitely looking for the right opportunity. I've been able to uh, poke my nose around a little bit of coaching here in town and doing a few other things, uh, w- which uh, has kind of, I, I guess, opened my eyes to a little bit more of, 
the possibilities of life after hockey and what that might look like. And uh, so it, it's got to be the right opportunity. I'm not just going to get off the couch to um, to fly overseas to leave everybody behind unless unless it feels right and fits. So um, I, I do have a little bit more specific uh, needs and wants. But like I said, I haven't even had to walk down that road yet. So uh, I'll worry about that when it comes. Yeah, you're getting that coaching bug. <laughs> it's sick. It's a sick bug and i'm on it and i've caught it it's like covid once you get it you gotta be psychotic to have it buddy <laughs> yeah there's something wrong with me because i told myself my whole plan career no matter what i do when i'm done i won't coach I, that's it i refuse to do it and i'm not even done and i'm already coaching so well, where are you coaching what are you doing so I, i've just I, i've taken on a few uh youth teams here in town and um anywhere i think i guess the the top group would be midget triple a and then all the way down to some adam triple a stuff mostly goalies to be honest it's, it's it's obviously my passion is goaltending and so i've i've taken on uh the goalies in a few different environments whether it's coming out to practices or working with them privately i got some synthetic ice going all sorts of things that i'm i'm just trying to figure out if i was to go down that avenue in a full-time venture what it would look like so uh, it's been fun, but like I said, it was it's a bug. You nailed it. I I, I don't know. I caught it. Now I'm on it. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, these guys coach here, uh, Rupper and, and Vandy here. Trev and I coached a while. I, I think you get the bug and and you, you start working with some of these kids and you, you get the different personalities. I think it's great. But I think the one thing that's overlooked are the goalies. And I think the only development is moving to a one-on-one phase where you know, I was just kind of thinking you talking, if you can work from a midget to a, you know, there's always development for the players. I think if you can get the goalies involved from top to bottom, then I mean, all the best. Uh, what association are you working with? Hockey Calgary or? Yeah, no, it's, it's a little more unconventional and it came about in an unconventional way as well. It's actually part of the hockey super league, the HSL. Okay. Um, there was an association that, that, um, <laughs> it's kind of funny small world how we all became we, we we came in touch with each other and um they were looking for something different and and without giving away all my secrets i i always said that i i would coach if i could do it my way and, and my way was uh, I'm, I'm a firm believer that time gets wasted in practice and that um you know there's too many goalies that sit around especially at the younger ages and and assume that, well, you know, we came out to practice and because I was on the ice for an hour or an hour and a quarter that I got better. I just, because you know what, I put the hour in and I think there's, it's, it's the farthest thing from the truth. So my philosophy was if I wanted to come out and I wanted to A, be the guy that did it myself, I didn't want to pawn off my name on somebody else. And, and number two, I wanted to be there. I wanted to actually be at the practices. I wanted to be at the games. I wanted to, um, invest my time into some of these kids and that's hard to do if you're uh you got a lot on the go or you know maybe you're you got a big business where you're running a lot of things but I, i'm not at that point in my coaching career yet so uh this opportunity came along and i kind of pitched my idea of how um, i'll be at practices and i'll be seeing the development of these guys myself and it'll be a personal thing where um i'm challenging myself just as much as i'm challenging them to see what we can get out of these guys how far i can actually take this and uh it, it's just a testament to the best goalie coaches that have worked with me it was they were coming out every day and they were investing their time in me and, and they wanted me to be better uh they made it fun they, we we enjoyed being on the ice and then and then i got better uh and the guys that you know i came to their camp or you know it was it was coming and going it was hard it was hard it was a different voice every time and um i didn't see anything there so uh, yeah, I pitched it to the, the the Crusaders is the name of the organization, and 
um, they're welcomed it with open arms. So it's been great. I've been at it for a couple months here and uh, really enjoying, like you said, getting to know the kids and the personalities and, and seeing where this goes. Good on you. Good for you. Just touching on HSL, uh, both my boys are involved with that up here. We're very lucky on on my older boys' team to have Dustin Swartz as our uh, his son plays on the team and he's our goalie coach. So I know exactly what you're talking about with him being involved and you know he's always arguing with us that he wants an hour and a half with the goalies, right? So I get I get what you're saying. You know he he wants to come out. He when he sees a drill that's not benefiting them, he's very vocal and pulls us aside and says, Hey, you know, let's try it this way. Or, you know, we should be doing it that way. And, and, you know, it's really opened our eyes up to how the position kind of has changed. You know, when me and Clay were coaching back in, you know, Bantam in the nineties, th- there was no goalie coaches at this level. There's zero. I mean, we, we picked, hang on. We weren't coaching in the nineties. <laughs> well, the late nineties. <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. What's the difference? <laughs> but yeah, like I feel honestly talking about it now, I feel horrible because I feel we neglected our goalies. Our goalie interviews were, hey, can you stop the puck? You look like you can. Good. You're on the team. And we left them in practice. I was the last guy to come ask, what can I do for a goalie? But being around Dustin for the last three and four years, man, it's opened my eyes of what a position it is and the detail that goes into it. Yeah, it, it's unreal. And I don't think you should feel bad for neglecting because the position's evolved. And, and even when I was coming up, I didn't have that. It, it, it's a new thing, but I, I think now it was goalie coaches, if that's what I want to call myself, for even just goaltenders, but let's, let's say part of the goalie union. We, we all have to work together. And this is what I'm learning more than anything is a good goalie coach works with the shooters and he also works with the assistant coaches and he works with the head coach and, and everybody works together uh pulls the rope in the same direction and not only do the goalies get better but now your shooters get better now your coaches get better and you know the big thing with this crusaders they've, they've been great the coaches all um not only like i said I, I'm, I'm not fighting for ice time they're giving me extra time with the goalies they said here's yeah. 45 minutes take our goalies what do you want to do and i said well you know what here let's see what you guys are doing for practice i can incorporate a couple of my drills into your drills i'll also take that 45 minutes but I, we we can all work together now and yeah. now not only are the players getting better but the goal is getting better and, and like i said it goes back to what i originally said about just time's not being wasted and we leave the ice after an hour and a quarter and everybody feels like you know what that was worth it we uh we came out we all put the effort in and we all got better and and that's that's kind of where i'm taking this i just I've seen it. I've seen it at a whole bunch of different levels, and I said, if I'm going to do this, I, I uh, and I'm going to tie my name to it. I, this is the way I believe it should be done. So it, it's it's kind of it's a fun conversation to have now, and I, I'm enjoying uh, kind of seeing this through. I go 45 minutes with Dustin, and I'm dripping, dude. Like, like I just I, I'm sweating. I've never fired so many. My my shots never been better. I, I'll be quite honest with you. Like it, it's incredible. <laughs> The best goalie coaches in the world have the best slap shots. I've always said that I've never been able to stop a good goalie coach's slap shot because he, he takes more shots than anybody. It's crazy. Dustin shoots the puck so hard and so effortless. It blows my mind to watch, right? Yeah, it's it's good. And it's, uh, like like I said, it, it, it hasn't been that way. At least it wasn't always that way. There was a select few goalie coaches I had that I was lucky enough to work with growing up um, that 
that really instilled these values in me. And, and, you know, and that's what I'm, I'm lucky that I met those guys and uh, they've had a huge influence on my career. And now obviously if this is what we're calling post-talkie, then a huge influence on this part of my career as well. Awesome. Well, to touch on that glass there, like who are some of those goalie coaches you, you had at the junior level to the pro level um, to where you are today in, in your professional career? Yeah, I'm very happy that you asked me that because I get to bring their names up. But the, the one who, who had the biggest influence and the first influence on me is the local Edmonton guy there, John Stevenson. So I had Johnny, uh, even before junior, I, I, my first, <laughs> we laughed about this, my first practice with him was on an outdoor pond because uh, we found him through the other goalie on the team and we had no ice. So we went out to a lake and uh, he ran us through a couple of drills on the ice. And then uh, by fluke, he became my my goalie coach with Kootenai and uh, man, he made it fun, right? Like, you know, Braden Holpe raves about him all the time and uh, he's well known for all the mental skill stuff he's got into as of uh, more recently. But even the stuff we did, oh my goodness, he had guys looking at him like, this guy's got to be so crazy, but that's what it was fun. And he made it fun. Every time we went on the ice, it was different. It was new. But with that being said, we had our basics. We had our foundation, our fundamentals that we worked off of. A huge part of my junior career, I owe to him. And then I moved to pro and, you know, I had the, I got to work with Eli Wilson and I got to work with Peter Aubrey in, in Chicago. And, and these were goalie coaches now that, that took my game to the next level. So they were able to take the basics, the fundamentals and refine my game. And, uh, you know, especially Peter in Rockford, he took a game. I was, I was pretty rock coming back from the KHL. We had uh, a few Russian goalie coaches over there, obviously with the language barrier, it didn't go as good as I would have liked. And I came back and I had a guy that believed in me and, um, we started right from the, right from the start. And, and, he questioned everything I did. And if I didn't have a good answer for it, he'd pitch me a new idea. And, um, this was where I started to realize, wow, these guys can, you know, I always thought, oh, each goalie plays it different because that's the way he plays. Well, no, like just talk about it. Talk about why you play it that way. And if you can explain why you do it, well then sure, go ahead and do it. But if, if you just do it because you do it, well, that doesn't make any sense. You should have a reason behind it. And, and Peter, Peter Aubrey taught me that. And um, so we, we, we have a great relationship. We still talk quite frequently. And um, it, it's guys like that, that, uh, made me think now, all right, well, maybe hockey's coming to an end playing wise. Um, maybe I should try to take this role on as a coach and have these kind of influence on the younger goalies that are coming up. Yeah, there's like obviously good influences, right? There's some really good names there and the game is growing hugely. What goes into, you know, goalie training in the off season and how does that look for you and, and today's NHL and today's pro hockey? How does that go for you, Glasser? Yeah, yeah, it's 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 changing, and I think each guy does it a little different. So I, I can only speak to how I do it and, and what's got me to where I am. And and um, I say that because I think I've even changed the way I do it over the years. But you know, my big thing was I didn't I didn't think I took off ice training, meaning stuff in the gym, as specific as I should have. I always just generalized and said if I was in good shape and showed up to camp in shape, well, good enough, and away we go. And and I met my trainer, Scott Gillis, here in Calgary. And I think the first time I walked in, I was, admittedly, I was probably in shape. I was a little top-heavy. I just didn't quite understand what what I needed to look like or what I should look like to be athletic. And he explained what it meant to be to be athletic. And then and then we added the goaltending aspect to that. So that so when I started to realize, all right, well, maybe I needed to work on a few things with my body. I worked on my nutrition. I It all led into sleeping habits. And then, and I, you become a pro. And that that... that expression gets overused sometimes but i think that was 
truly what happened to me, maybe when I was about 27, 28 playing in Russia, I decided I wanted to be a pro and, and I changed the way I, I ate and I thought about the game and, and then, and then you work with some goalie coaches here. So the off season, now you get, uh, you know, I've been lucky enough to work with Brad, Brad Kirkwood from uh, top prospects goaltending here in town. And uh, he tunes up my game every summer. I skate with the pro guys, I work out and, um, and that's been my secret. So I know some guys want to get together in a camp environment and, um, I've never found that to be as successful as really staying at the same routine for three or four months. And then, um, that gradually grows my game to a point when training camp rolls around, I'm ready to go. Hey, Jeff, I just want to, I know you've probably been bombarded with this, you know, same story for a lot of years now, but for me, December 29th, 2017, your first, uh, win. And this glass is half full, baby. There's Jeff Glass, who plays in an NHL game for the first time, gets an overtime victory, 42 saves on his way to his first ever NHL win at the age of 32. And guess who's going to play in his hometown in two days when the Hawks go to Calgary? Absolutely. What a great performance by him. It was special for me because. My kid, uh, my oldest boy, he's 11 now. He's a huge Jonathan Taves fan. So I got tickets to this game and every game that I take him to, we always go and, and watch and sit down by the glass and we watch um, pregame, right? So he's down at the glass, banging on it and Taves skates by and he actually gives him a puck through the, the little photographer hole there. So I'm sitting about five rows up and I'm next to an older gentleman and, a, and an older uh, lady and a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful girl and a little like about two month old. And it turns out it was your parents and, and your wife and your daughter. And I struck up a conversation with them just out of the blue. And he told me that um, you were his son and it's your NHL debut. And that's just something I'll never forget. And I, I'm not even playing in the game. So can you just quickly touch on, on what that meant, kind of your NHL debut in uh edmonton uh getting your first win yeah that's a pretty cool story first off i've never heard that that's uh that's outstanding i uh you know what the best part of that uh there's a there's an obviously a number of things i was super lucky to get to play in my first game but to have it just up the road uh in edmonton where like you just mentioned my whole family could be there i just had a brand new baby and my wife made it up. Everybody was there. That that's undoubtedly the best part. It was being able to share it with people. I know a lot of guys that you know. You get called up, and you're the next night you're in um, Charlotte or Florida, and your parents are in Cal. How it just doesn't work, and people miss the game. And you just you just want to have your family there to share it with you. And so um, you know what you play the game. It's all a whirlwind. You you just you just do your best. And we were lucky enough to win the game and everything went really well. And I'll never forget that part, but then to come out after the game and have everybody there. Uh, and then to be able to hear their stories after the game of, you know, who they met or how they got, I don't know if you remember, it was minus like 40 that night. Right. So you're trying to get everybody to the game was, was a nightmare. And, and then uh, even like the last summer, the last couple summers, even you run into people uh, just like the story you just told that I haven't even heard these stories. And, um, you know, my buddy drove up and, oh, the keys got locked in the car and they couldn't get out. And, you know, you, you hear all these stories now. And I, he was, he wouldn't have told me them at the time. Cause I was just at, in the, nobody wants to hear that then. Right. But now uh, a couple of years later, those are the fun stories. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a special night to say the least. And, um, 
played in Edmonton in front of my family. Just what more could you ask for? So I was, I was very lucky and fortunate. And I realized that uh, not many guys got to do it the way I got to do it. So it was pretty cool. Yeah, that's just this, a very special moment. You know, and how you got to cherish that moment too with uh, Seeds, who's obviously a good friend of yours, Brent Seabrook. How special was that? Well, it was funny. It was unreal. He, the funny part with Seeds is, okay, so we were roommates at World Juniors uh, way back. And um, you obviously, I don't want to say follow to touch, but his career went straight to the NHL. And um, I, I plumbed around the American League for a couple of years, go off to Russia, come back. Um, get into the get called up because uh, I didn't even do a training camp with the Blackhawks uh, the year prior. I just got called up, uh, tra- traded from um, Toronto to Rockford, called up, and you know we kind of reconnect then, right? So he, no, I'm not going to say he lost touch with me, but he definitely didn't follow my career. Let's say as close as I followed his career. So uh, we're in the in the dressing room before the game in Edmonton, and you know you got to put money on the board, and I put some money up, and they say, hey. Uh, he, I'll never forget. He pipes up and goes, "Glasser, this is your first game this year. That's 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 quite a bit of money." And I looked at him. I said, first game this year. This is my first game ever." And he looked <laughs> at me with this dumb, dumbfounded look. He, he said, "This is your date," and he had no idea. And I was like fully dressed, ready to go on the ice. And he just assumed that I don't know what somewhere along the way I played and I had it. So I, I always laugh at that story because I thought, man, like you know, it, not to fault of his, he just assumed somewhere along the way I got into one and. Uh, he didn't even know. So it was, uh, it was really cool after the game. I, um, I remember I was rushing out, uh, I had to do a little bit of media and then you want to see your family. And I said, Hey, like, do you mind? Like what time's the bus? And he says, he looked at me and he slowed me down. He says, Glaster, the bus will leave whenever you want it to leave. And I, and I was like the rookie new kid. And I thought, no, 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 it doesn't work that way. He says, yeah, it'll work that way. Go take your time. Go say hi to everybody. So, um, Steve's is a good guy. He's been nothing but good to me. And, um, it was pretty cool. Like you said, sharing with him. How much money was on the board? Oh man. Good question. <laughs> I knew you were going to ask that. I can't even, I, I want to, I don't want to sound too cheap, but I can't even remember. I think I put 500 bucks on the board, which to a guy, you know, that yeah. was a, bit, a bunch of money to me, but I, I, I could be off there. It felt like about that much. Believe we'll it at that. Awesome. Yeah. Clay, you want to ask about the World Juniors and how that occurred? Yeah, I mean, what an experience for you. You're, I, to me, the 2005 team, super team. And I followed them since I was, you know, 10 years old. So speak to that and what kind of experience that was. Minnesota, I think it was. Yeah, we are Grand Forks. Grand, Grand Forks, Forks we, North um, Dakota, yeah. Yeah, it was just, like you said, you nailed it. Super team. It's kind of funny because we're here and now there might be uh, no NHL this year. Yeah. You're saying it's really might be the first time since that team that we're going to have that kind of environment again. So um, we were lucky, right? Like all the everything fell into place. You look at that roster, um, half, three quarters of it wouldn't have been the, the way it was if the NHL was playing that year because guys would have been up. And, um, you know, you can compare it to today where um, Patrice Bergeron, he was the only guy on that team that actually played as an 18 year old in the NHL the year prior. So he was, he was the only guy playing in Providence that yeah. year or the American League uh, because he was eligible. The rest of these guys uh, were all 19-year-old guys that were drafted the year prior. And, you know, you get Slav, Perry, you go down the list, these guys all would have been in the NHL for sure. So not only were we lucky there was no NHL, but, we, you know, the, a guy like myself now, the hardest part was to just make the team, right? Because so you make this team now and um, I, I, I'm, there was a sneaky confidence we had, obviously looking around the dress and realizing yeah. who was in the room, uh, that we had a pretty good chance to win. <laughs> so, uh, combine, combine that 
with the fact that we had, you know, Brent Sutter's our head coach who um, commanded the room. It was, he was the perfect coach for that team because anything he said goes. Um, it was a no nonsense policy. We, you know, had the guys cutting their hair before the tournament and Team Canada was on a five year slump, right? So they hadn't won a gold. Uh, I don't want to say pressure, but there was the whole, you know, off our own goal or off our own defenseman goal the year prior. And, yeah. Uh, everything was lining up that, you know, it could either go one way or the other. So with that all being said, you know, you go out there and it was, it was pretty fun. It was, it was just a matter of literally doing my part. And, and I laugh with that now with lots of guys, my part might've been sitting in a lawn chair, but it was, uh, it was doing my part back there, making my 12 saves a night and, and uh, making sure that, you know, we had a chance to win and yeah, looking back on that, it was, yeah, it was I don't cool. know. You guys had, a, there was a scare in the semis with the checks, but yeah, the, the checks actually played us pretty hard. I, I, yeah. I don't want to say we overlooked them, but I, we definitely knew that we were up against the Russians if we made the final and that was Ovechkin and Malkin and those guys. So, yeah. um, you know, uh, I, I think you never overlook anybody. It's the one game you I can lose out, but admittedly, I think that, you know, we probably did a little bit and they, they played us really hard. Like it was a close game. And, and then when it was us against Russia, yeah, I think that was, uh, that was pretty cool to be able to, you know, target a few guys and make sure that we eliminated a few of their top guys and, yeah. and went on to win the gold. Awesome. Yeah. It's just a, it was a great tournament. And like you kind of said, it's going to tie into the development for probably these kids that are coming in and Kirby doc, who might be this year's Patrice Bergeron. Cause you know, doc had a pretty good year and I think he's eligible to play in this world juniors. If, if that's the case. So speak of, the development for all of you guys, because there's not many guys that can play pro hockey and even glass. You've, you've carved out a pretty great career. What did that tournament mean for the development of your career? When you look back at it now, yeah, well, it was 100% the stepping stone of my career. It, it leapfrogged me right into the mix. And, um, you know, who knows without that, without that tournament, where I go, to be honest, it was, uh, after playing there, uh, you now come to Ottawa, not only with confidence, but with somewhat of a reputation and, maybe to my own fault, a little bit of a swollen head as well, right? Like, I think I go into Ottawa now thinking, well, I can play in the NHL. I just played World Juniors. And to then be sent right to the East Coast my first year, you know, it's it's a true test of, like, where you can go and who's going to make it now. Because I think uh, that most guys that play on that team, like, we, like we've seen, have vaulted right to the NHL, and I did. And so um, I think I had a real, you know, look-in-the-mirror moment when I – came out of that first training camp decided what i want to do with my career and um yeah it was it, from there and i taught me everything i needed to know right where um if you want to play with those players and you want to be at the top well just look around the room these are the guys that were getting it done and now framing that towards this year's tournament you, you nailed it a guy like kirby doc he could be the next patrice bergeron right like he he could go back into that room and just dominate he could be the best player on that team and um, help the team win a gold medal, and that's going to springboard his career into just the way Patrice Bergeron's is a Hall of Fame career now, right? So uh, it it really is one of those tournaments that's so so big in your in your career. It's 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 just at that phase where you can it, it can go one way or the other, and if you if you take this tournament serious and play well, and um, it's on to bigger and better things. And the, for the guys that don't quite make the team or maybe don't use the opportunity properly, it can it can go the other way pretty quick as well. Yeah. And to kind of tie it back to uh, some NHL here, you know, uh, won't keep too much longer, but just to kind of 
see the goalie movement that happened in this offseason. Was there any moves that really that surprised you? And then is there any moves that you're like, man, that that's going to be a difference maker for the organization that picked up, say, for instance, like Calgary Flames with Markstrom? Yeah, well, that was my first one. You, you nailed it. I, I, and you don't want to say, oh, yeah, I told you so. But I, I really did think maybe right when, when the pandemic started, I heard rumblings that Markstrom or Calgary or the whole thing might be a fit. And I thought that would be a great fit. And and now that I now that it's here and it's happened, I, I, I think that's the best the best offseason move for sure. I think Calgary's come out on top there. And um I absolutely love Markstrom's game and the way he plays and competes and that whole thing. So I think that's a great fit. As far as the most surprising uh offseason move, you know what? I, I I did a radio interview here in Calgary uh the day Henrik Lundquist announced or they announced they're buying out Henrik Lundquist and um every I I was pretty convinced at that time that he was going to hang him up and uh, go on to a management role or just just do what he wanted to do and I was I was pretty choked about it because I wanted to I wanted to see Hank play a couple more games and um he was one of my idols I got to meet him a few times I got to play against him and uh, he was lucky enough to let me a few and let me get a win even when I was up with the Hawks. So, um, it, you know, what I, I, I wanted to see that. And so when I saw him move to Washington, uh, that actually surprised me. And, and I'm ha- it surprised me in a good way. and I'm super happy for it because uh, I get a, at least another year of Hank. And um, so as, as a goalie nerd and a goalie fan, those are probably the two big ones for me. Yeah, that picture, when you want an MSG, uh, you celebrate. That's a. I'm pretty sure it was MSG. Like that's a. That's a hell of a picture. So yeah, that's. Uh, that's. I know exactly which one you're talking about, and it's. Um, uh, I've. I've had it printed a few times, and it's. It was a. It was a cool moment, and like I said, I, Hank was having an off night. Thank goodness, and. Uh, and I. I got to capitalize on that. Nice. Uh, you guys got anything else you guys want to add? What advice would you give to young goalies coming up? You, you talk about when you went to Ottawa and you were king of the hill and in, in North, you know, with the world junior team and you go to Ottawa and you're full of this confidence, what kind of advice would you give to a goalie that gets cut from a team and, and, you know, still believes in himself as m- most professional players are doing nowadays. They're, they still believe in their ability. They, they're, they're still trying to make a living of doing it. Only we got to dial it back to minor hockey where you get cut from a team what kind of advice would you give to a kid? Uh, it's it, that's a great question. It's actually something I, um, I I jumped on the ice today with a couple of the Crusaders teams, and the one kid almost asked me the exact same question today. He asked me um, where I was in my career at his age. Oh, right on. Uh, and it, you know what? It was kind of cool. He, he said, "Hey, like Jeff, when you were fourteen, what were you doing?" And it kind of caught me off guard because <laughs> I thought he was going to ask me about how he was doing the butterfly slide wrong, and I had to. I was about to send him back in the corner to do 10 more, but Hey, he asked me that. And, and my, my, my response to him and my answer to your question would probably be the same was like, you know, I was coming off playing peewee four and I was never, um, you know, growing up, I loved hockey. It was all I wanted to do, but you know what? I just wasn't that tall. I wasn't that good at it. I, I really wanted to be good at it, but I just, was never the top goalie. And, uh, only when I got to Bantam, did I make Bantam double a my first year? Uh, I got to play Bantam AAA my second year. And then I went on to actually play Crows in this past year to make junior A. Uh, and so, so I grew and I got the gift of goaltending and I figured it all out. But up until that point, I was, I was only playing cause I loved it. And if you don't love it, I, I don't know if there's 
going to be much of a career for you out there. There's, there's a ton of guys that are so gifted and so good that they don't have to love it as much as the rest of us. But if, if you don't love it, it's going to be hard coming to the rink, especially on those long days in the middle of winter when you're on a couple game losing streak and the coach is on you and at any level, minor hockey or yeah. pro hockey, whatever you, you, you got to really be able to ask yourself why you're doing this and honestly look at yourself in the mirror and say, yo, you know what? I, I know why I'm doing this because I'm good at this and I love doing this. And, and this is exactly where I want to be. So I I've always had that faith in myself and I've always had that the confidence call, whatever you want. It's varied at times. At times I've, <laughs> I've wavered, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But um, my advice to kids would be if, if, if you love it and you really want to do it, then stick with it. Cause um, you know, there's late bloomers. There's really late bloomers. There's guys that, have highs and lows in their career. And, and, um, I was one of them for sure. And, you know, like I even mentioned, I was at the top of the world with the world juniors. Then it felt like the bottom of the world in the East coast. And, um, it's, it's how a career goes and it's so cliche, but it's true. And, um, I, even when you're at the top, you know, that it's not going to last forever. And when you're at the bottom, sometimes it feels like it might, but, um, I loved it. It didn't matter. I was I loved going to the rink every day. What else am I going to do? This is what I was meant to do. So um, that was my answer to the kid today was, awesome. you know, you, you seem like you love it. You seem like you want to do it. If you really do stick with it, you know, keep close to a few people and they'll, they'll show you the way and away we go. Honesty. That's the, it doesn't get much better than that. Great. All right, Glasser. Well, we'll finish up on that. We thank you so much for coming on, man. This is awesome. It was uh another great interview like it always is so thank you no and i'm uh, i'm waiting for the phone to ring like i said every time i talk to you guys i get a job offer around the corner so if my phone doesn't ring in the next 48 hours i'll be looking for another podcast here real soon <laughs> exactly. all right well, hopefully you get the you get the bump from us so so thanks again sounds good thanks for having me on guys appreciate it thanks hey glass so take care this segment was brought to you by award-winning pete's concrete where we pour sidewalks driveways patios or we can build you a beautiful retaining wall with proper drainage these can be done in a broom finish exposed aggregate stamp impression also we offer urethane injection to protect your foundation from leaking built to last pete's concrete 780-940-3784 (laughs) Thank you.